you didn't hear me. <laughs> so, good evening. We're going to begin by singing the hymn 675. 675. This is our missionary weekend from tomorrow night, so we're going to keep the same focus this evening. Far, far away in heathen darkness dwelling, millions of souls forever may be lost. Who, who will go salvation storytelling, looking to Jesus, minding not the cost. We pray tonight that our 
two individuals particularly to remember from our own congregation, that's Wesley and, and Peter. They've been on our prayer list and we're thinking much about them. Wesley's back in hospital. Uh, he's in hospital in Dundonald. They were down that way and he took on well. So please remember him, pray for his recovery, that they'll find out exactly what's wrong this time and be able to administer the right treatment. And of course, Peter, who's recently got out of hospital, remember him as he recovers at home. At the minister's week of prayer, a number of colleagues in the minister ministry have been prayed for. And uh, I just want to say to you tonight that there are folks that are particularly unwell at this time. Reverend Gordon Cook, Reverend Jim Harden, Reverend Stanley Barnes, Dr. Lindsay Wilson, Reverend Kevin McLeod, who actually was able to get two days of the week of prayer. And then from the Jesus Saves movement, some of you will know, the Reverend Eric Smith, Eric has taken a heart attack and has ended up in hospital. So some of these men are also in hospital, and Mrs. Barnes, um, Dr. Barnes' wife, Ina, she's in hospital as well. So let's remember these folks in prayer. Let's bow together, please, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to the presence of God tonight as those who are invited and welcomed. Thank thee for opening up the way whereby we, the guilty sons of Adam, saved by grace, can draw near into the presence of God. We know that the presence of God was a place that we were barred from because of sin. But in loving kindness, Jesus came, our souls in mercy to reclaim. And Lord, you reclaimed us, you saved us, you washed us in the blood of the Redeemer. And we have the privilege, therefore, of coming to the Lord in prayer. We can come at any time of the day, any place where we find ourselves, and particularly in these public times when the church gathers together, <coughs> the believing body of Christ. And Lord, we're glad that you've brought this company here this evening. We have come to sit at your feet We've come to learn from thee. We're coming to fellowship with each other, with brothers and sisters who are the Lord's people. We're all part of that same body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ purchased with the blood. The scripture says that we're members one of another. And you've told us to esteem each other better than ourselves. Help us, Lord, to live that way and to give due honor to those of like precious faith that are here. Help us to love one another as Christ loved the church. Help us to serve one another. We are a serving people. Help us to care for one another, to have compassion the one of the other. Help us, Lord, to fulfill the law of God. We think of the royal law, which is, is to do with love, to love our neighbor, and to love your people particularly. And Lord, we bow on redemption ground. We come to thee on the grounds of the blood. We have no other terms in which we are accepted. And therefore, we humble ourselves before the Lord. We come saying, in the words of the hymn writer, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. And it is the cross and all that Christ accomplished that gives us the right to approach the Lord and to seek him now in prayer. Bless this company of people. We've come here 
together from different backgrounds. We've come from different employments. We've been in different places today, but we're here, united in the Lord, to seek out a place for the Lord, especially over this weekend. And as we come to pray, we'll be thinking very especially of what will happen tomorrow night, Saturday, and on the Sabbath day. Thank thee for these missionary weekends that have been uh, running now for all these years, well over 50 years, and we pray that you will continue to bless. You've brought much blessing in the past, and you're able to do it this weekend. So we look to the Lord for great things, for mighty things, because isn't that what we're told to pray about? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. May that be so this weekend. We pray that you'll lay your hand upon young people and call them into the work. We pray that you'll challenge all of our hearts with regard to our own personal missionary service at home and whatever we can do abroad and help us through the preaching of the gospel to go into the world and to reach men and women for Christ. Remember the sick of the church. We have been thinking, Lord, of Wesley and this setback again in his life. We pray that you will draw graciously near to his bedside just there where he is in the Ulster Hospital we pray that you will encourage him that you will help him to rest in the Lord as your word tells us to do may he know your healing touch we pray that you will administer that strength to his body that you will guide those that have medical expertise as they look at his case as they seek to find out exactly what's going on and be able to give treatment, guide them, Lord, with thine eye every step of the way, and may it not be long before he's back to health and strength again. Pray for Peter as he continues to recover, that you will strengthen your child, and also encourage him in the Lord. When David was down and discouraged, he, he looked away from his circumstances, and he did the right thing, the thing that we've been praying about here tonight. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Teach us, Lord, that this is the right course of action, especially in those days of darkness and when the heart fails and when we're discouraged. Give us a good prayer meeting tonight. Let your presence be here. Remember those ministers that we've mentioned, and Mrs. Barnes too. We commit them into your care. Be with them, Lord, some of them in hospital. Make their bed in sickness, and may they prove the sufficiency of the God that they serve at this particular time. Thank thee for the safe arrival of little Elias. We acknowledge your goodness, Lord, in giving Joshua and Leah another little baby. We pray that you'll bless the child as he grows up in this world. And may he seek the Lord early in life, come to know the Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Warm word of welcome uh, to each one here tonight at the, the midweek service. If you're joining us on the internet, we welcome you also. This weekend is a very special weekend. It commenced 55 years ago. Well, at least this is the 55th missionary weekend, so it's been going a long time since Dr. Kearns uh, began those meetings back in the Calvary days. We're looking forward to it. I remind the ladies, if you can help out with supper tomorrow night, one loaf of sandwiches, two dozen buns, and then tomorrow night, as you know, uh, the decision is made what's needed for Saturday night. If there's nothing left over, probably the same. 
for Saturday night and if there's a little left over you might just need to do so much but if you can help us out supper will be served tomorrow night after the meeting I'm going to tell you what's happening and I'm going to show this slide first of all in English and then we're going to show it in Russian I hope it translates okay but tomorrow night this is the lineup. we have a video presentation from the Reverend Ray Kerskadden he's the outgoing missionary to Uganda we will have a report on the Uganda VBS back in 2019. It was the last one that was done. And our youth leader, Samuel, will be doing that. The Hebron Youth Choir will sing. The missionary challenge then, word of testimony really, and he's going to do this through PowerPoint, will be from Dr. Bill Woods. Uh, just maybe to say that, that Dr. Woods' immune system is completely down, and therefore he can't. Uh, afford to get a cold or a flu or anything so you'll understand if he comes to the meeting and as soon as he finishes speaking he'll leave doesn't want to mingle with anyone he's been asked by the hospital to shield so just maybe to, to let you know that he would love to meet you personally and talk to you but that'll not be possible tomorrow night but he does want to come and bring that challenge especially to so many young people we trust that will be here be a short video presentation, just about five minutes, of what we were able to do last year in Romania. And Keziah, saw her coming in there. Uh, she's raring to go tomorrow night and uh, give a wee report on the VBS in Romania. She was one of the members of the team. And then at the end, just for about 20 minutes, I'll bring a short missionary challenge. So there's two missionary challenges, one by Dr. Bill, uh, testimony that he'll give and then a wee word from the Lord at the end maybe this is translated okay Tanya will be able to tell me yeah not too bad so we'll just give our brothers a wee minute to let you know this is what's happening tomorrow night Friday night at 8 o'clock on Saturday night the meeting is at 7.30, so please note the change in the time. It's not 8 o'clock. There'll be video presentation greetings from the mission field. So just for about a minute each, some of our missionaries are going to greet the congregation on Saturday night. We'll have a report on Uganda, uh, the VBS this time from Jordan. Jordan was one of the young people that went in 2019. There'll be a missionary report from the Reverend Ray Kerskadden. So tomorrow night's his video. Saturday night he's going to speak to us and lay some prayer requests before us. The Hebron Choir will sing. And then the missionary challenge, Dr. John Wagner, who is visiting Northern Ireland, mainly because of the Minister's Week of Prayer, but he's going around some of our churches as well. And he will bring the word. So again, just to give a moment or two for our brethren to read uh, what I hope is translated okay in the Russian language. That's what's happening on Saturday night. Okay, Saturday night at 7.30. On the Lord's Day, the 12 noon meeting, uh, we have a little video recording. I had asked Lucci if he would send something that's missionary and he's recorded a beautiful missionary piece that we hope to play on the Lord's Day morning. We also have greetings from Romania, most, mostly from pastors. And again, just one minute each. 
just to speak to the church and to thank you for all the encouragement that you as a congregation have been to them. The Hebron Choir will sing and the Reg, Reverend Reggie Kimbrough also from the United States will be the guest preacher. The seven o'clock meeting we will have the Ukrainian Choir. Pastor Valentin Pavlenkov will give a report on Ukraine and Donald Fleming then will bring the missionary challenge and he will bring you up to date with what's been going on. There's a lot of things been happening in Ukraine over the past little while, uh, areas that they've been able to help send relief to and I, no, no doubt he'll let us know exactly what's going on there. So again, in Russian for your benefit. Don't forget Saturday morning, the school event, 8.30 to 12.30, come and get your breakfast, leave a gift for the, the Christian school, New Year breakfast, and it'll be here in the church hall. Saturday, the open air in the center of the town at 11 a.m. Don't forget Sunday school back on the Lord's Day at 10.45 a.m. And the Bible class at 11, studying the Christian armor, preparing for battle and knowing your enemy. Hope I got that right, Phil. Then, of course, the, the week of prayer for our congregation is Monday the 9th to Friday the 13th of January, each night at 8 o'clock. And we want you, if possible, to lay aside every night if you can. We had a great week of prayer at the beginning of 2022, and we want to keep this up. We always view the, the minister's week of prayer as probably the most important week for our denomination. So it's widespread. All our ministers come. Uh, so I think we can say this week of prayer is probably the most important week for us as we start the year praying together, praying for the work, and just leaving ourselves before the Lord for the incoming year. Magazines are available. So the vision is at hand. They're on the table there. I've put them there. Things will get a little bit more complicated maybe over the weekend when other people are here, but it's good for you to get your copy tonight. This is free to every family, so take a copy of the vision. The Let the Bible Speak is also available free to every family. And the, the opening title on the front cover is The No Mores of Heaven. And that's a beautiful study in the last two chapters of God's Word, Revelation 21 and 22. The current magazine is the North American magazine. It's by subscription, so if you subscribe to it, your copy is there. And then we have a couple of little pieces of literature from Let the Bible Speak, just advertising the broadcasting this year and asking you as a congregation to pray. So please take uh, one or other or both uh, with you tonight. We've mentioned also the Missionary Council prayer calendar. Uh, for every day of the month, there's a little section of missionary work to remember in prayer. We've had a good week. At the Minister's Week of Prayer, it's been down in the Lodge Hotel, and the men have spoken, brought challenges each day. Began on Monday afternoon with the moderator preaching, and then on Tuesday, we had the Reverend Simon Anderson 
and the Reverend John Gray. So I think that picture is from the Tuesday because those men were sitting at the front ready to go. And then on Wednesday morning, your minister was preaching. I hadn't said that to you. I maybe should have asked for prayer. Um, but the Lord helped us through in the afternoon, Dr. John Wagner. He was the preacher. And then today, we had James Porter in the morning. And in the afternoon, the Reverend Reggie Kimbrough. And tomorrow is the Reverend Colin Mercer. Now, if I've got the sound, I'm able to let you hear these men sing. They sing well. It's a great, it's a great men's choir, but not the harmony that you're used to. All right, here. They've got the volume, but not the harmony. But they do sing well. sit just at the side. The reason for that personally is there's no distractions in front of me. All right, so I can concentrate that a little bit better. So that was on the, the morning that I preached because we wanted them to sing that hymn 555 going forward. And then just one other verse of today. And we'll let you hear this one also. Just just one verse. Susan and I are delighted of course because there's been a new addition to the family and we want to congratulate Joshua and Leah on the birth of Elias Andrew and we'll put that in Russian don't know how it translates Tanya very well well that's good and you'll you'll understand that the siblings are, are just delighted absolutely delighted that this wee boy and the picture's taken uh, Leah got home 12 hours after giving birth, uh, so home very, very quickly, and the children got a wee nurse, so that was good. We rejoice with them. The Indian Orphan Project continues this month, and uh, DePanker was able to send these photographs, so this is just a little sample of the 90 children that are being helped in India once a month, a package of food is sent to each child. Also, just to maybe let you know, because we told you about the, the terrible flood um, 
and storm and typhoon conditions in the Philippines. And the mission board took a decision the other night to send some help to the Reverend Ebenezer Nombre to help with homes that have been devastated. There's quite a few connected to this church. I think there's 39 families that they're working with that need help. So just to tell you that for your encouragement. We are going to sing again before we bring a little message to you this evening. It's number 680. Anastasia, if you want to come up, your friends are here. And we've even got some notes done by Google Translate. I said they might be 90% accurate. Sasha says probably 70% accurate. We've told them if there's any any heresy that they discover, it's not my heresy, it's Google Translate. I can remember uh, getting a message from one of the Ukrainian ladies way, way, way back, months ago. And I put it into Google Translate. And one of the lines was, I want to kill you. Uh, But I know that's not what she had said. Well, maybe she did. I don't know. Don't know what I had done to deserve that. But no, that's not what it was. Anyhow, 680, he was not willing that any should perish. Jesus enthroned in the glory above. Saw our poor fallen world. Pitied our sorrows. Poured out his life for us. Wonderful love. And then the, the lament of the last four lines. Perishing, perishing. Thronging our pathway. Hearts break with burdens too heavy to bear. Jesus would save but there's no one to tell them. No one to lift them from sin and despair. And every verse is different and every line almost is different. But when you come to the last four of each verse, it does have this thought of perishing. And Sinners are perishing. And there's so few that really seem to care. There's no one to tell them. And we're really going to pray this weekend that God will raise up men and women to tell them. Whether it's just locally here in the church that the Lord will burden our hearts. That this whole church will get on fire. No revival. And go out and reach the lost here in Balamani and surrounding areas. And then that he'll be pleased to raise up others in the nation, to the nations of the earth. To bring them the gospel of Christ. Thank you.
One of the most familiar passages of scripture when it comes to missionary challenge is John chapter 4. And I want to read some of these verses with you from verse 27 through to verse 43. Trusting that the Lord will speak through his word. And though you could probably quote a lot of this passage of scripture, we wanted to come with power and freshness to your heart this evening. John chapter 4 and verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, See a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Have any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look in the fields. For they are white, already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ the Savior of the world. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. May God bless his word to our hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so often we've been just thrilled to read this story, to see God at work, to see the conversion of a woman from a very worldly, immoral background. And she finds grace in the sight of the Lord and she becomes a witness and a soul winner herself. Lord, we have our weekend before us and we want to, to know the Lord's presence. We want to be challenged in our heart by every report that's made, by every scripture that's opened and preached upon, every song indeed that, that is ministered unto us from the choirs who take part and even in the singing of the congregation. So we sing together 
hymns that highlight missionary service and the work of God in general that we ought to be engaged in. Lord, we pray that you will come and just, just take everything, use it for your glory, apply it to our hearts, and may a work be done in every heart. Lord, don't let anyone leave without hearing from God. Very often we come together and we have several hundred people in the congregation and it might only be a dozen people that really hear from heaven. Oh God, we pray for more meetings where everyone hears from God and in hearing, acting upon it, being not only the hearers but the doers of the word. Hear this, our prayer, and help us now in the ministry of the word. Fill me with the Holy Ghost of God for Jesus' sake. Amen. I put a title on what I want to say tonight, refocusing our missionary vision. And I want to take this, this verse. This verse really came to my heart this week as I was thinking of the weekend before us. And I felt that we should make Thursday night sort of an extended part of the mission weekend. And when we come, as we text out today in WhatsApp, when we come to the time of prayer to really concentrate our prayers, praying over this weekend, that a great work will be done. That God may be pleased to make it one of the greatest weekends that we've ever had. Jesus says in verse 35, lift up your eyes and look in the fields for they are white already to harvest. And so I want you to come with me to Jacob's well and see the soul winning Savior. We have come to this scene often in the early part of the Lord's ministry here on earth and we have been challenged over and over again. We've been challenged so much by this beautiful story of evangelism salvation, grace, and mercy. Here we have an all-compassionate Savior meeting one of the worst sinners and imparting to her the water of life to her needy soul. Here we have the heights and the depths of mercy displayed as Christ reaches out to this poor, blinded, immoral, wretch, of society and reveals her sin, brings her under conviction and opens her eyes to the Messiah who was mighty to save. And often we have been challenged all the way through this story, really from verse 4. In, in verse 4 we've been challenged by the, the burning compulsion of Christ. Have we not meditated upon that little line where it says he must go through Samaria. And that word must is connected with Christ through his ministry. Remember he said, I must work the works of him that sent me. There was that compulsion of heart. There was that longing of soul. And Jesus must go there. And we know why he must go that way. And it wasn't the shortest route. It was actually the longest route. But he had to go there because there was this sinner that needed salvation. This one woman that needed deliverance from her sin. And then in turn, a multitude came to know him. So we've been challenged by the burning compulsion of Christ. We have been challenged by the holy determination of Christ. I see that in the sixth verse of this chapter, 
where we're told that Jacob's well was there. And, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus in the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So what do I mean by the holy determination of Christ? Simply this, the Lord is tired. He's been on the journey. He's weary. And you know, many a time when we are tired and we are weary, and if it was at this particular time of the day, sitting outside in the heat of the day when the sun was at its million, we wouldn't really feel like doing much work or, or saying much. But the Lord had this holy determination to be that witness, no matter how he felt, no matter how tired he was, no matter how hot the day was. And here he's sitting at the well, tired and exhausted because of his journey. But he takes time to witness to the woman that God had appointed him to meet with. We have also been challenged by the amazing the amazing reach of Christ. We see that in verse 9. Because the woman of Samaria says to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And the, the reach here is reaching across the barriers. Those prejudices. And prejudice can fill a person's heart and you can say to yourself, well, I don't want to really go to those people. We have an example of that in the Old Testament. And we'll mention that later. But, but Jonah, he didn't want to go to the people that God called him to. And he ran away. But the Lord is reaching across the barriers as a Jew to the Samaritan people, to this woman. And there was that evident difficulty, prejudice between the two races of people. But nonetheless, he reached across the barriers. We have always been challenged by the, the splendid wisdom of Christ. Because here he dealt very wisely and lovingly and compassionately with this woman. Not beginning by blasting her sin. My sin needs to be uh, declared as sin. It needs to be exposed. But the Lord was gentle in his approach. We, we see that in the story. If you don't see that, you're blind. You know, these people that maybe go out and outreach and they go up to the door and they say, you're going to hell. Do you know you're going to hell? You're a sinner. And I don't think that's the way you want to begin any conversation. The Lord did not begin that way. He simply began by asking for a drink, a drink of the water in the well. And he used that illustration of the water in the well to speak to her about the water of life. That water that would be, he said, inside her like a well of water. Just speaking about what salvation is when a person comes to drink at the fountainhead, comes to know the Savior. And then he, he gently reproved her for her sin. He did get to the sin problem and exposed the sin in her life. But we've been challenged by this, the splendid wisdom of Christ. We've been challenged by the zealous witness of the woman. Because having her eyes opened and we believe having received the Lord, believing that he is the Christ, the Messiah of the world, we are told in verses 28 and 29 that she left her water pot, forgot about what she had come to the well for. She had come to draw water, but she just set it down there and she went back into the city and she said to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And I, I see zeal here. Just having met the Lord and finding Christ, immediately she becomes a witness. Unashamedly going back into that city and people knew her. Knew the kind of life that she had lived. 
And she goes protecting her, we're told, to the man. The man knew her particularly. But she goes to say, I found the Christ and here's a man that told me all about myself. We've been challenged by the urgent instructions of Christ. And we're going to come back to verse 35 where he says, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. We've been challenged by the astounding witness of the woman. Because in verse 39, we're told many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. And that's amazing. And this woman just converted, going back in the city and speaking her heart to the people there. She is the means under God of bringing this multitude to the Lord. And then, of course, we've been challenged by the awakening of the people because there was a, a mighty move in that city. You've got to see that. We go on to read in, in verse 41 and 42 that many more believed because of his own word and saith to the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard in ourselves. And they are convinced. They say, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. A mighty work as the Lord reaches just this one individual and then that spread through her testimony and then through the preaching of Christ himself and there were many hundreds of people undoubtedly that came to know the Lord that day from the city of Sychar and I want to use the words of instruction from the Savior to his beloved disciples to encourage you tonight to, to get us to, to see that there is a great need in our lives we need to get our vision renewed and refocused this is our missionary weekend it's one of the highlights in the calendar of the year for the congregation in Balamani and further afield. And it's not we make any boast in it. We're just so glad that we're reaching out to others. But there will be those that will travel in and they will come and they'll listen. There'll be many others that will listen in online. And Balamani has got an aim of, of being a missionary-minded congregation for decades. It started 55 years ago our brother Dr. Kearns God has been pleased to, to use it to speak to many hearts many of us have been challenged, challenged ourselves and we have made changes I'm sure that's been so for so many in this meeting tonight as you've sat under the reports and the preaching of the word four of them Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning Sunday evening you've been spoken to and you've made changes in your life we think also of young people that have been called into full time service we've seen that we've seen those times when we made a public appeal raised their hands, stood to their feet said here am I Lord we think of the incredible amounts of finance that have been raised to support the missionaries on the mission field in various projects that they're involved in we think of missionaries themselves who have been blessed and encouraged. They have come to the weekend. And as they've come and been part of the weekend, part of the meeting in which they were gathered, they have been blessed in their own souls. And of course, God has been glorified and his name honored. And that's the most important thing. My text is an old text. It's familiar to us, but do not let the familiarity of this verse take away from any kind of new application 
or any kind of fresh challenge that the Lord would give you tonight. It has been a feature during my ministry. I would need to look back over all, we probably haven't saved it all, but look back over all the, the communications and the posters that we have done for the missionary weekend. And this text most times has, has appeared on the literature that's been produced and the posters likewise. We know it so well. It's a memory verse. I'm sure you can quote it tonight. Maybe able, able to give the reference to. We mention these words of Christ. You'll say John 4, verse 35. However, it still speaks powerfully. Still speaks powerfully to me. It still stirs my soul, burdens my heart. Still brings me to ponder the command of the Savior so that I would sit up and, and listen and apply to my heart what he says here. And so may, may it have an impact. Just in these few minutes that we're going to spend looking at this text, may it have an impact upon your heart and mine. I want you to notice that here is an action that is commanding. Lift up your eyes. And I want to suggest to you tonight that such a command had to be given because these men had not the right focus. Their eyes were not on the right thing. We could say their eyes were on the wrong things. They were not at this moment focusing or looking at what Christ wanted them to see. Why else would the Lord say, lift up your eyes? Why would they need to take this action? Because they were looking in the wrong direction. Or they were looking down and they needed to lift up their eyes. I think we can say about the disciples that, that they were looking for, for food to satisfy the body. They'd gone away to buy food. They'd come back. They're, they're trying to get the Lord to eat, Master eat. He tells them, I've got food to eat that you know nothing about. And they're a wee bit puzzled about that. But we know that at this moment, at that time, when they'd been on this journey, they're weary, they're tired, probably hungry, thirsty, that they're thinking about the temporal man, the physical man. So I think the focus of the disciples just now was food. You can look back over various ones in the scripture and I was trying to think about this today. I thought about Lot. He was looking at business advancement in the city of Sodom. So he certainly had a wrong focus. All Lot wanted to do was to advance in the city, which he did. He's sitting in the gates of it. He had become, it would seem, an elder of that city. And he had not been a witness for the Lord. He had lost that focus of being what he should have been as a child of God. We know that he was a true man of God. The New Testament confirms that. But as for his witness there, it was non-existent. And when he came to warn his family, and we need to take heed about this, if we're not a witness to our family, don't let it be like what happened with Lot when he came to warn his family, they laughed at him. Because he didn't have the respect, he didn't have the honor that he should have had as a man of God in his home. And he told his sons, God's going to destroy this city. And he's going to rain fire and brimstone upon it. You need to get out of here. They mocked him. They laughed at him. Lot certainly had a wrong vision. It was all focused on, on business advancement. Solomon, probably one of the most disgraceful examples of all, he had his eyes on women. This man that was used so mightily of God even to write part of the Bible. Who started out so well. The Bible says he loved the Lord. 
And he walked in the ways of the Lord. But you know, as time went on in Solomon's reign, he turned aside. And he loved many strange women. And he ended in absolute disaster. He never, that I know of, got his vision back for the Lord. Never. And as I read the account, he died in disgrace. As far as the history is concerned. Some people tell us that that um, book of Ecclesiastes gives us hope from the backslider coming back to the Lord. But as far as the record is concerned, because of his failure and his sin and turning away from the Lord and the awful sins that he committed, even raising up false houses of worship, God raised adversaries against him. And Solomon died. And we don't read in the history that he ever recovered, never got his vision back for the Lord. We certainly do not want to be like that. Jonah, we mentioned Jonah. He had his eye on what? Prejudice. Jonah was a man of God. Jonah was a prophet of God. Jonah was a faithful man. He knew what to preach. But when he was told, you go to the Ninevites and you bring them the gospel, he was not willing to go. Why? Because his focus was all wrong. His focus was not on the glory of God. His focus was not on reaching men with the gospel, all men. Oh, if he had been sent to the Jews, he would have gone willingly, but not to these Ninevites that the Jews despise. And there was a prejudice between them. I'm not going there. Lot or Jonah had lost his vision. Just taking a wee example in New Testament, Peter got his eyes on the storm. Remember, he should have had them on the Lord. And his focus was all wrong and he began to sink. That's what happens when you get a wrong vision. You will sink. Thomas, he was looking at the physical. And he had just missed out in the joy that was brought to the other disciples when they saw the Lord. He missed out that Sabbath day, that Lord's day. And he says, I'm not going to believe unless I see for myself. He had a wrong vision. And whatever you think of Demas where where he stood spiritually... Demas had a wrong vision. He was looking at the world. And he loved the world. Paul had to lament near the end of his ministry, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present evil world. Some people see him as a child of God, but we, we do know that he stood with Paul in the ministry and he served the Lord for a time. And some people say, well, he just went back into the world other people will say he was never converted. And they base it on the fact that John says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That means he's not the Lord's child. But whatever you think of Demas, wherever he is today, I don't know. God knows. He had the wrong focus. He had the wrong vision. And so, I'm sure I can mention many others in the scripture, but I just want to ask the question, what have you got your eyes on? What is your focus? We can get our eyes on other things, many of which are, are legitimate. There's things that, that obviously occupy our lives every day. But when we get our focus on those things, it take us, takes away from where our eyes should be. Have you got your focus on something else and has taken your eyes of the Lord? Taking your eyes of his work. Taking your eyes from the souls of men around you. Taking your eyes from worship. Taking your eyes from prayer meetings. Those are no longer your focus. You know, some people have 
they're, they're focused upon employment, business, and career. And those are legitimate employments or things, should I say tonight. Of course, uh, many of you work and many of you got a business and many of you have an occupation to follow. But if that's your focus, if that's the most important thing in your life, there's something wrong as a Christian. That's the thing that, that will sustain you and keep you and you, you make your money to buy your food and to live. But your focus should be on Christ And in this great business that we're talking about tonight where he says lift up your eyes and he wants us to see something, that's where the focus ought to be. And some people, they they have their focus in sport. There have been those who got so much involved in sport that it took them away from God. Took them away by and by from prayer meetings. Took them away, eventually some of them, from Sabbath day meetings. They forgot about the Lord. Some have their focus on family. And we all love our family. We were delighted to go and see our family yesterday, weren't we? To see the wee baby, so, so small, so beautiful. Takes after Granda. Not tell you which one. <laughs> I'm kidding. But we love our families, don't we? But that ought not to be our focus our main object some people are taken up with the troubles that abound in this world we have have come through three horrendous years of COVID-19 and that has become the focus of some we have wars in the world, we have the war in Ukraine it's been devastating for these people but even that trouble in the world is not to be the main focus and these folks know that Poverty, financial crisis that's hitting the world so much has become the, the main focus of some. These are real things, brother. Don't, don't get me wrong when I, when I talk about these things. They are real things. But when they become your dominating focus, you've gone astray. Others have got their focus upon problems with other people. And it's taken them away from the Lord. Even Christians. Sometimes you can get problems with Christians. If you haven't discovered that, you soon will. But if you dwell on that and that becomes your focus, it's going to take you away from prayer meetings, from fellowship with God's people, and from what your real focus ought to be. I tell you, these things tend to take our focus away. But Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. If your eyes have fallen upon these other things, and that's where they are, some of them important, in and of themselves, then you need to refocus. And Jesus says, you've got to get your eyes on something else. You've got to lift up your eyes. Here's what I want you to see. So, secondly, there's the vision that is compelling. He says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Here's the focus Christ desires us to have. Not those other things, but the fields. And what are the fields? Well, they are the fields of service. As the harvest is mentioned in this text of Scripture, it is evident from what we read here that the Lord is speaking about gospel work, sowing the seed in the spiritual fields at home and abroad, right on your doorstep, 
there is a field of service right here. You don't need to look to Africa. You don't even need to look to Spain or, or the south of Ireland or anywhere else in this province. Right on your doorstep, where you are, there is a field of service for you. Your neighbors, have you got someone living next door to you and they're not saved? When was the last time you went to them with the gospel? When was the last time that that field next door to you was your focus? Your family, have you still someone within your home who's unconverted and destined to hell this very night? That is a field of service for you to go and bring your family to Christ. And then we have our own town and a bit more of a broader outlook. Here's a town that needs the gospel. And then we can think about, about Sunday school. And if you're a Sunday school teacher, God has given you a little field there to work among these children. Or maybe it's the children's work or the youth ministry, but that's your field of service. And then into the workplace, we talked about employment. And you have people that work around you who do not know the Lord. And you've got a field right there. Are you living right before them? Are you speaking right before them? Are you that witness for the Lord? It's a field of service where you work. And if you're a young person in school, in your place of education, that is a field of service for you as well. These are places, or these places are your fields of service. It's the home field. Don't, don't dream of evangelizing the heathen until you have evangelized the home field. We say that to young people. God will never call you to the foreign field until you approve yourself at the home field. Then these fields refer to further fields, and then that's the mission field. And that will be for some. See, or the worldwide open doors inviting we sang tonight. Soldiers of Christ, arise and enter in. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields across the nations of this world. Over the continents of the world. Many continents are in the world. Seven. The bank manager, retired, knows that there's seven. And I think there's one of those continents and it's not populated. Antarctica. Isn't that right? Don't think anybody lives there. Anyhow, uh, Europe is calling. Europe is calling. There's very few have gone to Europe. We have a witness in the south of Ireland. We've got a witness in Spain. We have the privilege of doing a little bit of part-time missionary work in Eastern Europe, in Romania. And we're very glad to help our Ukrainians, although it's not strictly missionary work, but we're glad to help them nonetheless. Africa is calling. We're in Uganda and Kenya. With Joanne, we're in Liberia as well. North America is calling. South America is calling. Australia is calling. It's one of the continents of the world. And the seventh one is we want Asia. Heard somebody say it. Do you know that in that one continent alone, there's a population of 4.8 billion people? 
And that simply means that over half the world lives in that continent. And they're calling. Think right over the world where there are now, as you know, 8 billion people, we reckon, living on this planet. A vision that's compelling. Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look. Whether it's here at home or on the mission field. And then the last thought is that there is a description here that is challenging. For they are white already on the harvest. That ought to challenge you. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest, I think is what the verse says. And that means the harvest is ready. Souls are ready to be reached. We can't delay. We can't wait four months. The Lord says, sort of a parabolic language that he's using here, but he's saying, no, no, don't, don't be hesitating. Don't be waiting for four months. I want you to lift up your eyes now and look on the fields, for they are white already under harvest. So we must not wait. Souls are in imminent danger. The idea of harvest demonstrates that many people are ready to be gathered into the kingdom of God. You and I as Christians, we are to be sowers, okay? We're to sow the seed. That's our witness, that's our preaching, that's telling others the gospel, showing them how they can be saved. We are to be sowers. We are also to be waterers. We've got to water that seed. And we water the seed by our prayers and by our tears. And that, if for no other reason, that's why we ought to be at the prayer meetings to water the sowing time. But we are also to be reapers. The gospel is sown, it's watered, but there is the reaping time and God wants us to be reapers. We are to bring the harvest in. And the harvest here, Jesus says, was white, indicating that it was fully ripe, maybe even overripe. Spurgeon says, expect a present blessing. Believe that you will have it. Go to work to get it. And do not be satisfied unless you do have it. There was a very great harvest right before these men that Jesus was speaking to. At this very moment, here in our text, verse 35, the Samaritans were leaving the city of Sychar and they were coming, they were coming across the fields. And if they had eyes to see, there was a great harvest before them. And I'm sure I've told you before that it must have looked like a field white under harvest as you looked across in the midday sun. These people in their white headgear and white garments, their heads bobbing up and down. It was just like a field of wheat. Jesus says, lift up your eyes and, and look on the fields. Look at these people that are now coming towards us. It's white already on the harvest. And praise God, this harvest was gathered in as we read about the multitude that were converted. The harvest was before these men, but it extended, it extended beyond this multitude of the Samaritans from Sychar City. There was a harvest in every city. In every village, there were many fields ready to be, to be reaped. And so may God help us to see, to see the local field, Balamone, and the regions round about, all the little 
villages or hamlets, whatever you might call them, round about the town, maybe labor to see men and women here brought to Christ. And we do labor. We labor every year, year by year. We have our outreaches. We have our open airs. We have our missions. We, we have our solemn gospel endeavors. And we do what we can to preach the gospel to every creature in this locality. And we desire to gather in the harvest right here. May we see the white harvest fields in the foreign fields as well. Especially this weekend. May a real work be done in the hearts of those that come. We must be therefore in earnest prayer tonight. This weekend could be a life changing experience for so many. We don't know that yet but we do anticipate it. It could be a life changing experience for you. God might deal with you and I pray that he will over this weekend that you'll never be the same again and you're going to get a view of what the Lord wants you to see in this text. Lift up your eyes, look at the fields for they are white already under harvest that's going to change you forever and give you a burden for the mission field. The Lord might be pleased to, to stir up hearts and call individuals to bring in the white harvest that, that needs to be gathered. Will you pray to that end tonight? Lord, do a mighty work this weekend. Bless every report, every song, every Bible reading, every testimony, every preached word. Use it for your glory and to the challenge of those that sit and listen. And may many from the church, people that gather, whether they're from Balamoney or somewhere else, as they listen to it, may God call them, bring them into the work. That's a wee word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for your word. It is a challenge as we think of the Lord Jesus himself. And it's his words. It's his words that have spoken to us tonight. And these are important words. And he wants us, he wants us to lift up our eyes this weekend. Look in the fields that are white and ready to harvest. Help us to do what we can to see others brought to Christ. To see the harvest gathered in. That, that means witnessing. That means presenting the gospel to others. It means giving even so that others can go to the mission field and present the gospel to others. It means praying. Lord, may there be great prayer tonight as we think of the weekend ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen. 505, I have such a wonderful Savior who helps me wherever I go that I must be telling his goodness that everybody should know Everybody should know, everybody should know I have such a wonderful Savior that everybody should know.
continue to pray for those that need the touch of God in their lives, please, including all that is to do with the land of Ukraine. We come to our time of prayer this evening as a congregation. We say goodnight to those that listen in on the internet. We pray that even at a distance you've been challenged by God's word, these words of Christ, and that you will be enabled as well as the congregation here to lift up your eyes and look in the fields that are white already under harvest. We say goodnight to you. God bless you.